goal chance for Conor McGrath here and he'll surely give it in Conor what a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 meter line. Team oh, Mackey still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is on for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Been a small change before the game, worth the street. Yes, you're very welcome to this week's GA podcast on Off the Ball. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GA Hurling All Ireland Senior Championship. Keep up to date and follow hashtag Hurling to the Core. Dave McIntyre and Shane Stapleton with you this week. Shane, hello there. How are you doing? You well, Dave? Yeah, good. We've an awful lot to get through on the podcast this afternoon. It's uh, busy, busy in GAA circles. We're going to bring the stories of the week in a moment. Then we're going to focus on their weekend's hurling matches. Go and Offaly are facing off the Leinster semi-final in Hawarp Park in Port Leash, but that's dwarfed in the magnitude, I guess, by the scale of the game that's going to be happening in Thurlis. Waterford taking on Cork, who would upset Tipperary in the last round. Ken McGrath, Waterford legend, will join us, not just to have a look at these games, but also a look back on events in Wexford Park on Saturday night. What a seismic evening that was. A full house as Wexford finally beat Kilkenny in the Championship. We'll also go through the weekend's Gaelic football games. Donegal Tyrone is a real peach of a game to look for to also and uh, we'll delve into a cauldron of controversy later on in the podcast Anthony Nash the court goalkeeper who'll be playing this weekend taking centre stage in that but uh, we are going to start with the stories of the week and we'll start with some breaking news um, what a nice way to get the pot underway for the stories of the week dear McConnelly it's not gone in the direction we thought it would we have just learned Shane that uh, this saga is no longer a saga it's over yeah, the saga is over. Yeah, uh, Dublin GA have tweeted, Dear McConnelly and Dublin GA have decided not to appeal the decision of the Central Hearings Committee to the Central Appeals Committee. So after all that, basically, he's going to serve his suspension. So he will be out up until the day before the All-Ireland semi-final, assuming Dublin get there, which of course they will. Yeah, it's an interesting one. This is the situation we thought we were in a week ago when we'd heard reports that he wasn't mm-hmm. going to appeal. Then turns out he is appealing. He's gone through the CHC and they've decided that it's not worth pursuing. I don't know, will the ins and outs of the hearing ever come come out? Will we ever find out what was said in that hearing that has convinced Dublin that they just need to leave this alone and just take what's coming? Well, if the Brendan O'Sullivan situation taught us anything, it's that that information will only come out if somebody happens to find a way of wheedling it out. So I'd imagine we won't hear too much about it. The you know what's the com- what's the end product of this? You're going to have Dear McConnelly having not played in the guts of three months, going into possibly an All Ireland semi final, and is he going to benefit from the rest because he's played so much with Vincent's, or is he going to be lacking sharpness? You know, if you come up mm-hmm. against, let's say, Lee Keegan again, for all, I'm not sure what way the draw will work out, but if he came up with Lee Keegan again, who had been playing throughout, does that mean that he's going to be, you know, is he going to be the same Dear McConnelly? Yeah, you'd probably suspect that. From this early juncture, if it is an All-Ireland semi-final and Dublin go through the front door, that he will start that game on the bench. Mm. Do, you th- do you think that um, that this kind of thing does distract the panel? Because, you know, we've had so many of these sagas recently, like Brendan O'Sullivan, the Tipperary situation where there was mudslinging in all directions. Every week there seems to be something. Mm. 
I would imagine inside a panel, this makes absolutely no odds whatsoever. It'll make, it'll give the management a headache. But outside yeah, that, the players, the players themselves, really, I doubt it. No, I mean, but maybe, at least it won't be a distraction now, anyway. Yeah, maybe Connolly. If if like last year, Connolly was waiting until a suspension late yeah. on a Thursday night. This would have been a bit different. Yeah. Whereas this, it's so far away, everyone gets used to the idea. It'll be like when Carl Barrett eventually comes back on the Tipperary panel. Mm. You know, it'll be fine. It'll be yeah. done. And it'll be, I guess you're bringing Dermot Connolly, if you've, you've fought your way to an All-Ireland semi-final, your squad will only be enhanced by his return. Mm. And the so it's like a bring, getting a player back from injury in time for the second biggest game of your year. And some, some other player will get far more game time in the meantime. You there know, you go. Yeah. So. Okay, where are we going next? Um, Porky Keeve not going to be open for any of the Munster finals this year. Certainly disappointing for the Cork County Board, f- for the um, the retailers in Cork, and particularly the people mm-hmm. who sell the hats, flags and headband- headbands and the ice creams in Cork. Probably not a massive surprise, a, a delay in, a st- in the delivery of a stadium. Yeah. I mean, it happens all over the world all the time. Sure wasn't. The Lewis, the Lewis was delayed for years and apparently with the cost of it you could have gone to the moon and back twice. So <laughs> no surprise in Ireland. So it won't be open until July the 7th now and there's a potential loss of a quarter of a million in gate receipts. So I was actually thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if, let's say Cork lose the um, lose the semi, Munster semi-final to Waterford or if they lose the Munster final, should they get there? Why not have the All-Ireland quarterfinals in Cork? Now, they're probably going to be in Thurles. They're definitely not going to be in... There's some concerts set up for Croke Park. I'm not 100% sure what it is. But wouldn't it be great to have the, the All-Ireland quarterfinals in Cork and make up for that? Well, maybe the patrons of Thurles mightn't be too happy. No, but they wouldn't. I it shouldn't be, be t- to the loss of Thurles, although Thurles is obviously yeah. getting plenty of action so far this year. But the fact is, particularly if it's the, the group of people I feel most sorry for are the Cork footballers. Because an already... You know, massive task in trying to be Kerry in a Munster football final has been made virtually impossible by the fact they're down at Fitzgerald Stadium yeah. now and they're not in Porky Keeve, which would have been a momentous occasion. There would have been an awful lot of momentum and good feeling from the Cork public behind the Cork footballers that day, but now. Yeah, but at the same time, like, there's an awful lot more expectation and distractions when there's a, it's all about playing at home. Like, it, it's only two years ago that they went to Fitzgerald Stadium, and only for a fluky Fionn Fitzgerald point at the end, they had the Munster title won. They should have won it that day. And it, it's oh, that was a very different cork to the, what we're seeing at the moment. And it's funny, though, it's only just under two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they have fallen. There's away. a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then. They've been relegated from Division 1 of the Alliance Football League. A quick word on the GPA launched their new three year strategic plan this week. Dermot Early was front and centre. Um, six main themes to help players thrive on and off the field. Mm. We're not going to go into them all no, now. Is there anything that stood out in particular for you? Yeah, it's the kind of, he's talked about player passports, you know, to do with anti-doping and drug tests. And a lot of it's in light of Brendan O'Sullivan. So obviously they want to just educate players. And that's fair enough. And that is exactly how it should be because, and there's also talk of having more tests. And again, I think that's fair enough because in the last number of years, uh, particularly when I was doing um, research on it, you're looking at about 18, 88, 89 and 90 tests per year of GEA players. Is that enough? I also think it's quite interesting that two of the players that they've caught in the last couple of years, Thomas Connolly in 2015, Brendan O'Sullivan in 2016, these are players at the fringes of the panel, albeit O'Sullivan came on at the league final in 2016. But, you know, it's real needle in a haystack stuff. And there are cases where a lot of players are tested multiple times so you just wonder how they they ended up landing on these particular players but so you have it it's funny last Sunday um, I was down at Clare versus Kerry in Ennis for the Munster semi-final and before the headline act you had the uh, Kerry juniors were playing against Limerick in their Munster semi-final so when I came in the press area was a little bit full you know 
I was in a little bit late for that particular game. So I was sent down to the overflow area, which is right in front of where the substitutes bench is. So I was watching the game and I, I noticed the board went up and Brendan O'Sullivan was being brought off for the juniors. He'd scored two points from midfield, good performance. He got a big uh, hand from the Kerry supporters coming off. So I was taking a picture of him on the phone to tweet saying, you know, he's been backed by the Kerry supporters, what have you. And as it happened, he sat directly behind me in that substitutes area in front, uh, behind the the overflow press box and uh, I was there holding the phone to the side t- tweeting, the, <laughs> tweeting about him and it's funny then another Kerry uh, starter was brought off and there wasn't really it would have been awkward for him to get into the substitutes yeah. so he just sat down beside me and we, we were chatting away and, comment, and commenting on the great scores that the Kerry junior footballers were getting they were paced in Limerick altogether and eventually Brendan started chiming in with us as well you know a couple of great scores or whatever so I kind of turned around to Brendan and I said, geez, you think you'll be trying to avoid the media? And he goes, oh, will you stop? And uh, then I said to him, you must be mad to do an interview with me. And he goes, oh, will you go air that the absolute storm I've had the past couple of weeks? And it was good to get a, a human element to it. Yeah. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about the whole rights and wrongs of it, but just to get that human element, it was nice to think that this person hasn't completely closed up after what's happened in the past couple of weeks. And life does go on. It certainly does for the Kerry supporters. Again, I'm not talking about the rights and wrongs of what happened. But just uh, just to compartmentalise it into that human aspect was a little bit interesting to see. So anyway. that is the story of when when Shane met Brendan. When Brendan met Shane, yeah. Yeah, the um, we're going to be talking Wexford's Kilkenny with Ken McGrath. That's obviously one of the major stories of the week. It's one of the most uh, standout results and performances, certainly of 2017, a, a year in which Wexford have already fired in two or three really brilliant performances. Anything before we talk to Ken on that that you want to mention? Yeah, I just think it's interesting that Davy Fitzgerald is chasing a unique double. He'd be the first manager ever. Like, If he wins his next two games, and if Clare win their next two games, it'll be interesting that he'd be managing against his own county in an All-Ireland final, like Eamon Cregan did back in '94. But also, he would be the first manager ever to win an All-Ireland with two counties if he, if he actually did manage it, having previously got to a final with Waterford as well. And I was, trying, I was trying to look up who else might have done this. Mick O'Dwyer came very close with Kildare. Yeah, John, I'm, so, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Well, John O'Mahony won it with uh, Galway twice, having previously got to a final with Mayo, mm-hmm. who, of course, seriously liked to lose their All-Ireland finals. The only person who could make a slight, slight claim to it is Babs Keating. Because he obviously won two with Tipperary in 89 and 91. And, and had some part in Offaly's run to the All-Ireland in 98. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch, all right. Yeah, I was looking up Johnny Pilkington's quotes just earlier just to see what he thought of it, And he was like, he would give no credit whatsoever to Babs for that. Obviously, Michael Bond came in, the Galway man, and turned it around. So, uh, yeah, so a unique double for Davy on the way, it seems, if he can lead them across the line. All right, well, time is against us. You did, there is a slight mention in your notes of Kilkenny former Kilkenny forward Richie Power who's turning to stem cell treatment in a bid to keep his club hurling career alive mm. we know that he's got a knee knack so he's desperately trying to find anything it's, they're trying to regenerate the cartilage in the left knee they take some good cartilage from the right knee bring it into the lab more or less clone it and then inject it back into the left knee, you're hoping that the blood will run to it and regenerate there. Yeah, I guess did. you can't blame him for trying anything you possibly can to continue playing. He, he did say more, an, an awful lot of it is just about his general day-to-day comfort because his knee is in bits. And, you, you know, you hear about that sort of treatment and you think of when uh, Robin Van Persie went to get the horse placenta on his mm. knee as well. <laughs> a couple of years ago, just before Richie Power announced his retirement, there was a, a sports panel going on down in Waterford. Um, I think it was Waterford, could have been leashed that I was presenting 
and Richie Power was part of the panel. And as I was introducing him, you know, he'd had a lot of operations on his knee. I didn't know he was going to retire, but I said, and here comes the Kilkenny legend with worse knees than, uh, than um, what's Stephen Ferris? And uh, geez, that was a real lead balloon because shortly after he retired, the look on his face, he wasn't happy. But uh, obviously I didn't mean anything. Yes, yet, and Stephen Ferris's injury was an ankle injury. Ultimately, that ended his career. Did he not have a few bad knee injuries? He had a couple of knee injuries, but that wasn't what... Uh, that's not put, what put him out, though. So I put look, my foot in it. In we're every splitting which. hairs here. Uh, that's the stories of the week. As always, you can contact us on the podcast. You can get myself and Shane on Twitter. We've decided that's the best and maybe only way to contact us. So uh, do send anything abusive or praiseworthy, depending on how you're feeling on this week's pod. Um, there are a few of you listening to us out there, so thanks for sticking with us. We're going to talk the weekend's hurling next. It's Waterford Cork. It's Galway against Offaly. Cam McGrath is going to be joining us. <laughs> Okay, time to talk hurling now. Uh, we've two big games this weekend. Galway are hosting Offaly in the Leicester Hurling Championship, but undoubtedly the game of the weekend is in Munster. It's the semi-final between Waterford and Cork and Semple Stadium in Thurles. We're joined by Waterford legend Ken McGrath. Good afternoon, sir. Thanks so much for making the time for us. No problem, thank you. Listen, before we get stuck into what might unfold in Thurles, a little look back on the situation at Wexford Park last Saturday night because obviously you'll have uh, a lot of dealings in the past with Davy, and you would have come up against Kilkenny and a lot of the great Kilkenny players over the last 10-15 years as well. Firstly, in, was it a, a shock or a surprise in any way for you, Ken, that the result and the and the game went the way it did? No, not really. Look, I think uh, the game was being, it was being highlighted as a, as a hard game for Kilkenny even since last time when a draw was made and then we, we kind of saw how uh, Wexford developed over the course of the league and beating Kilkenny up in Nolan Park and look I'd be honest it was, it was a pressure game for Wexford because uh, everyone was building this game up for so long in their home pitch and 19, 20,000 people at it so to perform the way they did perform and the way they played I think was, 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 was fair achievement and I, I think Davey has them going very nicely they seem very fit very focused and to me it looked like they were confident to win and getting a result and uh, I, I wasn't surprised I was probably surprised a bit of maybe how poorly Kilkenny played at times uh, and I, I was probably I probably wasn't expecting maybe Wexford to play uh, as as good as they actually did, but I, I thought the results would have been very, very close going into the game. Seven Tony Brown actually travelled up, uh, and we, we were expecting a good game. And to be honest, the second half definitely delivered. So it was a very good game. Ireland. First, the first half, I suppose, the breeze had a lot to play in, in, in the game. Uh, Kenny were having a few wides and maybe not reaching the goal as easy as they thought they maybe could have. And it was a swirling breeze up there, but the second half really took off, and I thought it was a, I thought it was a great championship match. So it's a case that Martin Story can't get tickets with Tony Brown and Ken McGrath to get their hands on tickets. That's an outrage. Yeah, what a scandal. <laughs> You've heard it here yeah, on the we pod. Had, we had the Wexford jerseys on us last week. And, <laughs> and the wigs on us getting the... But no, we got, we got tickets all right. So uh, I'd say... Uh, and there was, there was actually one or two spaces available. We were up in the stand. There was one or two spaces across on the open uh, stand down the left-hand side. But... Uh, I think there was a certain amount when he left in, I think. But uh, I'd say he was OK. I'd say Martin Story was OK. A legend in, in Wexford, I'd say he got tickets in the end. So. Yeah, he probably got in in the end. Listen, you in 2008, you know exactly what it's like firsthand to, and seeing the instant impact that Davey can have on a team. We saw it with LIT. We've seen him win an All-Ireland in his second year in Clare. And now it's an o- unbelievable transformation in Wexford. Given, if you look back at the result against Dublin last year, Dublin are way off the pace this season, but they were beaten handily by Dublin in the Leinster Championship last season how does he have such an instant impact can you maybe put into words what it is that he brings to a group of players in such a short space of time yeah I suppose look, he brings belief he, he brings an unbelievable I suppose uh, appetite for work and an appetite for 
to try and achieve success. And with us, when he came down in 08, uh, I suppose, look, things turned sour with Justin. And the team, to me, was probably on his last legs in 08. And he, he kind of reignited us again for that year. But that was his first uh, kind of foray, his first uh, taste of, 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 of a county, senior county team. And I think he learned so much from being with us for the few years. And I, I think he's... Uh, Look, he's probably he probably felt himself after the other in the clear in 2013 that they maybe unreceived a bit and the job popped up in Wexford and he probably said, look, he wouldn't be uh, he wouldn't have taken it just uh, for the sake of taking it. Uh, he probably saw look Wexford won three or two on Leinster titles in the road at the worst potential there if he if he felt he'd, he'd done it the right way and look the fitness levels is what he works on straight away and by all accounts they they trained very very hard up to Christmas and over Christmas and. Uh, they, they hit the ground running in the league. They pinpointed the first couple of games early in the league, and you get a couple of wins there. And the Wexford people are something like Waterford. They're, they're starving for success, you know. And if they saw things were working, they got behind the team, and it all rolled on from from there. And they're, they're very similar to Waterford in terms of uh, being a mad hurling county and, and and mad to break into that top tier. And when they, when they, when they got on a roll that season, Wexford would be hard hard to stop Wexford at this stage now because I feel that. Even Davies maybe approached the plane. Uh, he's changed it, and I, I thought they attacked it in droves on on Saturday. And Confidors at least four to five forwards always up in their half of the pitch, which you couldn't always say that a few years ago, you know. So I think he has developed his way of playing and developed his style. Ken, I always enjoy watching what Cody does to counteract another team. We've seen in the 2012 and 2014 replays that he will make big changes. And, you know, he tried the extra forward for time for a while just to maybe <coughs> counteract Sean Murphy. But a lot of people in Kilkenny that I've spoke to feel like that he was tactically very poor and that he's been looking at, at the sweeper for five years with other teams and he hasn't reacted to it. So what would you think on that? Is Cody in any way not moving with the times? Yeah, look, I'm I, I, I not... Um in any way going to criticise Brian Cody on his past achievements because it, it'll be unmatched what he'd done with Kilkenny or whatever but he, he probably knows himself uh, I think like we were judging we were on top of the stand the 720 uh, and we had the right view of what was going on and there were certain positions definitely I, I thought he could have switched or, or could have found a deal with but uh, he, look I just, uh, he's in for a, a bit of criticism this week and, and probably rightly so Like he can only judge uh, teams and players on the now you know and I think to Kenny have a great performance on Saturday and I don't think Brian Cody or the, or, or the management had a great performance on Saturday and there were certainly one or two things they could have probably done or, or could have looked at and even I suppose the dominance in, in the chin in the second half how how he probably didn't switch maybe Killian Buckley back over onto him or, or do something else there it was hard to know but look I said I'm, I'm not going to question Brian Cody what he's done in the game has been unbelievable uh, you don't even hear this week there's one or two injuries as well uh, Richie Hogan was, was, is carrying injury the last few weeks. He didn't look himself. Uh, Richie Hogan is, is a top-class player, but he didn't look himself. Project Welch was nowhere near the Project Welch that we've seen the last four or five years. And when you take the likes of Project Welch and Richie Hogan out of the current Kenny team, they're going to struggle, I think, you know? Yeah, well, I, I'll just throw something at you in terms of what, what Davies kind of done before. And obviously, you've seen his tactics at close hand and you, you know what he's like. But the the way he tries to play with the the sweeper, obviously, and then you, you need good forwards up front. And you great forwards in Clare, but probably a lot of small, dinky forwards like that. And he had uh, Keane Dillon most recently as the sweeper. But I'd suggest maybe Wexford are actually better suited to how he plays because Sean Murphy's just a, a beautiful hurler as the sweeper, covers a lot of ground very intelligent on the ball and, and can put it where he wants to put it. And up front, you've got Conor MacDonald, Lee Chin at centre-forward, roaming, uh, Jack Guiney. So you've an awful lot of ball winners with pace up front. So I'd suggest maybe in some ways 
his system is better suited to Wexford than Clare. Yeah, it seems it seems, it seems to shoot uh, Sean Murphy down to the ground. Uh, he's turning and amount the ball, and but using the ball and intelligently with it. And I saw Wexford use the ball constantly for the full get the full seventy minutes. Uh, used it very well. Uh, a lot of cross field passes, constant movement. Davy loves constant movement, constant work rate. But look, at times over the years, and I was the first to admit it, the first to say it. You might watch a, a Davy style team, and it mightn't be the, the most pleasant thing to watch. But I, I definitely thought on, uh, on Saturday, and even over the course of the league, that. He developed on his way of playing, and I thought Wexford played a lovely style on, on Saturday. It reminded me something similar to the, maybe the Cork team of 04 and 05 with the short, the short maybe passing at times but coming at pace. And when that's when you're going forward doing that and using the ball uh, intensely, they went, they went direct at times. When you're mixing up your play like that, that that's how hard to counteract. So I, I thought it was, a, it was a good style of playing, and I was very impressed. Ken, before we move on to this weekend's games, just a word on where you actually see Kilkenny now. It was very easy for us to write them off when they barely got over Waterford in 2013 and then were beaten by Cork in the qualifiers. And maybe now, another three years on, with so much of the experience gone, the heavy defeat to Tipperary, losing to Wexford in the league, losing again in the Championship. This isn't just a one-off game that we're now judging this Kilkenny team on. If you take those three games, it's a series of fixtures that they just have been second best in. And I wonder, is it now a far more appropriate time for us to actually now start a, starting to write the obituary of this group of Kilkenny players? Like, would you be surprised to see them in an All-Ireland final? No, I'd be, I'd, I'd be surprised, I'd be honest. Right now I'd be surprised, but uh, I, I see, we, we can write the obituary to Kilkenny based on at, at the older team they had, if you know what I mean, the, the top the top team they have. You're talking about probably the best team, well obviously it was the best team of all time, but you had 9-10 players there, but uh, we'll go down in, uh, as some of the best horrors ever played the game. Judging off the team now, I think they're they're, they're equally in the chase and pack with everyone else. Uh, and we're probably being a bit, tiny bit unfair on them saying they're they're better or they're gone because they had a chance to draw the game in the end against Wexford. And, and people are saying how good Wexford plays and how poorly Kenny plays. They had two chances to get a draw at the end, you know. So I think they're back with the with the pack. Uh, for years they were ahead of the pack and they were all trying to catch up with them. And I think that's the way it is. And on their day still. If, if, if Richie Hogan comes back, if, if TJ Reid starts scoring from play again, if Colin Felly produced the formula on Saturday, if, if Walter Welch steps up again, which he did last year, they're, they're going to be a handful for anyone. Uh, pace-wise, I, I, I think uh, pace-wise they, they can be exposed a bit. Uh, I think he's exposed a bit in the back line as well. Uh, but I think they're, they're in, with, in, with the, in the hunt, but they're certainly not favourites. They're certainly not ahead of everyone else as they were maybe three, four, and definitely seven, eight years ago, you know? All right, looking at this weekend's games, it's certainly not the fixture we were anticipating, Ken. We really just thought it would be another water for Tipperary matchup. So there's a almost a sense of a novelty to this fixture, despite the fact that they've met um, 16 times in the last 18 years of championship hurling. I mean, they should know each other very well, but... In Waterford, and you're you're in in there every day of the week with the new business and everything. What is the sense? Is there a feeling in some ways that maybe people don't quite know what to expect from Waterford on their first day out because it's so long since we saw them play? Yeah, look, it's a strange. One. I think we've been quiet enough the last few weeks, which is probably no harm either. Uh, look, obviously the league was the priority for Waterford. I don't think it should have been either. I think look, uh, this team is going to be judged, or any team is judged on most of championships or other wins. You know, so look, the team won the league two years ago. Got to a final last year. The boys maybe felt that they probably put too much into the first game and the replay against Clare last year. So look, I think they're right. The the whole offered championship as long as they perform on Sunday, you know. But look, they had a two month uh, a two month kind of build up to this. The club challenge was over since the middle of April, so uh, everything's been put in in stone for the lads to perform on Sunday. 
they probably didn't think they were going to play Cork. But look, they knew for the last, they know now for the last month who they're playing. Uh, and look, uh, I suppose Cork had the game, but I know people say Cork had a match and it, it, it's a game under a belt. But a, a, a game a month ago is, is not really much use. You're starting from scratch again on Sunday against both teams, you know. So, uh, look, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I, I've watched Cork in the league in, in Welsh Park, I think it was middle of March, and I came away, I was standing with the father, and we were very impressed. Their forward movement, their different, their different ways of attacking even. And I don't think Cork had that for the last three or four years. And even like the Kingston, a big powerful man, and Luke Mead moving, Connolly Hanno, I think has massive potential, really starting to deliver on it. I, I think it's a huge game. But I think it's definitely a game that both teams will feel they should win. Uh, and if Waterford perform, I don't think there's any doubt that they'd be very, very in at the end of the game. Yeah, that league game you talk about, that was the first day when I thought Tipperary might actually be trouble uh, in trouble in the Munster quarterfinal because they they managed to pull the Watford half-back line out the field and even out towards yeah. midfield, the two wing-backs. And Tyg de Burka was on a one-on-one with Conor Lahan with about 70 yards around them, which you know nobody's really going to keep up with Lahan in that, in that sort of uh, space. And we saw then inside against Tipperary, Alan Cadigan, um, Seamus Harnady and uh, the other one was uh, Patrick Horgan who released from the freeze had an exceptional game again do you think Waterford have learned a lot from that game to not leave that space back there and they might push a little bit of a few extra numbers back down the field yeah I wouldn't be surprised look if Waterford go back with an extra player back there but I don't think that's uh, look I suppose we heard so much over the last years about sweeper systems and sweeper this and sweeper that you'd be mm. sick of it but uh, look, one sweeper is not is not going to ruin a game, if you know what I mean. But you leave four to four, at least five forwards up, I think, in the in the forward line, you, you've given yourself enough uh, scoring opportunities to outscore another team. And I think, look, Watford will probably see, see Lahan, uh, Luke Mead played on the half forward with Kingston. They, they, they went very deep. It wouldn't be too similar to what Kenny done for years, dragging mm-hmm. the half back line out. And if they if they spin you or turn you, you're gone. You never get it. You won't catch Connery Han, as you said. But uh, I, I think Cork have a few few weapons there. Uh, Alan Callaghan looks like he's back in form and corner forward. You give him a low ball in front, he's skinny. Uh, Harnedy, who I have a great time for, who I, I think struggled over the last couple of years, looks like he's he's coming around to something, uh, like, his, like his 2013 self. And I still don't think he's there yet, but I think uh, he's getting there. And Horgan, look, Horgan to me is a class hurler. He gets criticised at times, but he he needs an inch of space. So there's, you have three different type of players in the football line and then you have the half forward line who are all getting scores and should be full of confidence the young lads on the wings and uh, look they, they, they're going to offer uh, ask a few questions to the Waffer defence I, I could see Waffer bringing someone back uh, a sweeper back maybe Tyke Walk sitting behind trying to cover that space in, in between the half back and, and, and the full forward line but uh, that's leaving probably is it Mark Ellis free who done that maybe last year and look that's it's it's a hard one to call and yeah. we don't really know, know what they expect for Sunday but uh, I'd love to, to tell you now, look, we go out and it'll be 15 or 15, it'll be a, a free scoring game like it was, like Tip and Cork, but I don't know if it's going to be. And, and that's the only thing as well. You'd wonder if Walford maybe could overthink this game on Sunday, you know? Do you think people uh, like Jamie Barron went off early in that league game and I think after that Cork scored like 13 of the next 16 scores or something like that. Do you think, think people un- realise that this guy is probably in the top two or three midfielders in all of Ireland and he's what makes you tick? Yeah, look, he, he he does some work. Uh, he, he probably does a lot of unseen work as well, and his first touch is is is, is class. And he gets that ball in his hand, and he's spinning straight away, going going for going attacking, and he's giving a little pop pass. He's he's, he's moving. He, he's a real real busy player, and he's relevant to it. As you said, one of one of the top two three or three in the game. He got an all star last year. He's vital for this Walker team, and 
as you say, Shane, I didn't know what to expect when I saw Cork in the league. Um, and you'd be hearing different things about Cork hurling or whatever, how it's going or what way it is going. And I came out of that game in the league saying, right, they'll have, they'll have a bit to say in the championship. Uh, and, and look, I was proving right against Tip. I, I think, look, it was a brilliant game. Uh, it's, you know, at times you nearly forget how, I know this might sound silly, you nearly forget how good the game is until you watch a game like Tip and Cork again. And you yeah. can't you can't leave your feet for a second and you're watching every there's things to score every minute and Cork got two twenty something from play. But look, as we all know in most of the championship, Waterford are a season team at this stage and Derek McGrath Dan Shannon is the fourth year in management managing this team that I couldn't see that space being given to Cork again. I just simply couldn't see it, you know. Yeah, the fourth fact that it is the fourth year, can it it would appear that all the pressure in this game is actually on Waterford and on Derek McGrath. And as a, a refreshing as Waterford have been over the last three years, all they really have to show for it is a league title. They haven't won the Munster title since 2010 and they are in a position where Kilkenny may be starting to fade, that they really should be fancying themselves to win the All-Ireland. And I just wonder, all the talk of potential and Waterford as a coming force, that all has to go out the window now, doesn't it? Like... They have to, they have to be in the now. Waterford need to win this year's All Ireland. They need to win this year's Munster Championship. Yeah, no, exactly. I, 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 I'd put, I'd put the onus on the players and put the onus on the team for Sunday that you have to deliver. Uh, the, the team needs to win the Munster Championship. It needs to look. We've we've played two brilliant semi-finals against uh, Kenny last year and showed the potential in the team. And, and really, just I, I'll be honest, we, we came out of Torres last year. And look, we were devastated, obviously, that we lost. But you'd be proud of the way we played, and, and even proud of the style of hurling we played. Thirty ones a few weeks later, then they called me about fifteen, sixteen points, and all there. And so, so things are going well. And the league obviously didn't go too well, but I think now, now is the time to deliver. And it's wide open. Uh, the Ireland is wide open. There's, there's six, seven teams there. I feel they have a chance to win it. It reminds you of something like back in the nineties, I suppose, that the revolution years as such with with Clare and and Wexford and, and Limerick all coming at the time and I, I think it's, uh, it's it's wide open and you have to take our chance uh, look it's 50 something years since we won all Ireland and I, I think this team has to say right we, we're in a most of semi-final here we've clear in a final whoever wins on Sunday are, are going into prob- probably a slight favour for most of the final so uh, you have to go out and perform and you have to deliver and you're judged you're, you're judged on, on, on most of the championships in all Ireland and I think this team has to has to deliver this year. Will they? Will they on Sunday? I think they will. I think they will. By all accounts, uh, training has gone well. I, I haven't seen too much on them this year, to be honest, lads. They, they've kind of kept things uh, probably low, low enough key or, or, or under the radar since, since the club championship. But I think that's a good thing. Uh, they were in photo, photo while uh, or photo um, hotel for a week's training camp. And by all accounts, they're flying. I know even I met Austin on Tuesday up Mount Zion. He, he's in massive shape. I know the shape that the rest of the lads are in. That they can't wait for Sunday. And look, these are games you want to play in. Uh, as I said, leagues are leagues and they're grand. And I, I, we saw I treat the league as a as a stepping stone for the championship. And championship is what is what it's all about. And you'd love to have the pressure of playing a big game on Sunday. You'd love to be nervous. You'd love to have all the work done, knowing you have this on on your plate. I think that's what you that's how you judge a hurler, really. You know. Let's uh, move on to the other game this weekend. It's Galway hosting or taking on Offaly at O'More Park in Leash. I guess perhaps the fact that um, there's going to be a new Hall of Famer in Leinster GAA in uh, Brian Whelan, that's happening before throwing, that might be as positive and as uplifting as the afternoon gets for Offaly? Yeah, look, I saw, I saw on Twitter actually uh, Brian Whelan and look, I, uh, my first start in league on Brian Whelan and to me he was he was one of the best players I ever played the game, and his uh, 
his list of honours was, uh, <laughs> was unbelievable. Uh, I was reading it for around 10 minutes there. So, no, he was uh, an, an unbelievable player in, in a brilliant Offaly team. And look, he, he'll give, uh, he deserves that on, on Sunday and he, he'll give the Offaly crowd a bit of a lift uh, before the game. But look, to be honest, you, you can only see one, one result on Sunday. I'm very, very impressed with Galway. Um, I was on RT for the league semi-finals and they, 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 they bet Limerick that day without any fuss, without any, any real problems and they, they, they drove it on for the set, for the league final against Tipperary. We probably didn't see that result coming either, uh, the beating they gave Tipperary that day. And I'm I'm very impressed with Colby. They've they've strength around the pitch. They've they've a strong half back line, big, strong, powerful lads that can hold Joe Canning centre forward, sitting out in front of the centre back and that's always the the hard part when you are a centre back, do you stay or do you go? And with Joe you kinda of have to go because he'll never miss hit a ball or he never his first touch is always in and that's the that's the, the joys of him modern day hurling against these fellas, you know. You'd love to think of reasons why Offaly could win this game and you know, you, you look at some of their attackers, Shane Dooley got a hat trick against Westmead, O'Shane Kelly looks like a great player. But you know, Galway hammered Tipperary sixteen points, hammered uh, Dublin, who obviously are missing a lot of players, and Tip played Offaly in a challenge match recently, won I think it was eight twenty two to twelve points and Callanan got five goals. So unfortunately there's there's not a huge amount you can say about this game, only hopefully Offaly can keep the score down because uh, you, you know, even the Galway players have been knocking the heads off each other in club championship, I believe Dahi Burke, I saw a picture of him losing a few teeth in a match against Portumna. I think his brother Ronan might have sent a stray boot his own direction. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and I saw some sort of screenshot of a Snapchat saying you have to love hurling, but uh there you go. But it, it's very hard to see like the handicap is minus seventeen. And, uh, you know, that's not what, what you want to see in a Leinster semi-final. So, yeah, unfortunately, this is not going to be one to be remembered, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, listen. Oh, I, 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 yeah, sorry, lads. Go on, Kent, sorry. go ahead. No, I wouldn't think so. And look, and it's, it's, it's tough to see uh, Offaly Hurling. When I started out first, Offaly were, were, were on the top teams with 198. And I know Kevin Ryan is my own club man, is up there. And, and they're, they're putting in a lot of work. I know they have a new development, a development centre as well. And, Centre of Excellence and I, I'd love to see Offaly Hurling come back because they're great Hurling people up there you know and uh, look it, it's not easy when, you, when you're the dominant in Kenny and Leinster over all them years uh, probably suck to maybe life out of some of the counties up there you know but uh, look when people are starting to come back to the level again you, you'd love to see Offaly push on and really and really have a go after them look they've not to lose on Sunday I, look you can only see one result in all fairness because Galway are to me at the moment, the favourites for the Ireland, you know, but look, hopefully it, 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 they put in a good performance uh, and some of the young lads gain some experience from it uh, and learn from it and try and drive it on again through our whole winter of threatening conditions and come back stronger for next year, you know. Well, listen, Ken, great chatting to you. A pleasure as always and thanks so much for making the time to talk to us today. Enjoy the weekend. No problem. Thanks, lads. So that was Ken McGrath chatting to us ahead of Sunday. Not surprisingly, he thinks Water can get the job done. If anything, the thing that I took out of that chat the most was that he would be surprised to see Kilkenny in an All-Ireland. Yeah, they have to play five games to get there at this stage, so it's very hard to see how they can get everybody fit and flying. Like Michael Fenley is an absolute must to have back in the team. They haven't lost a championship game since the 2013 All-Ireland qualifier with Cork since when he's been starting in the team. They need to get Richie Hogan's back right. And as we saw in the 2015 semi-final against uh, Waterford, he hadn't really trained for about 10 days. He'd been locked up with his back, didn't think he'd play all of a sudden he goes out and he's man of the match. So if they get everybody playing, and Porrick Walsh obviously fit and flying back and full back, I'd imagine they're, they're still a challenger, but it's very mm-hmm. hard to see how they their players get unscathed through five games. Yeah, especially you could maybe see them take a big team out. They could beat any of them, and but are they going to beat them a number of them in succession mm-hmm. to go on and win an All-Ireland? When they inevitably draw a tip, as we all know <clears> they will, 
I actually think Tip look a bit vulnerable right now. Obviously, Cahill Barrett's not on the panel, but their style suits Tipperary because Tip don't have uh, blistering pace all over the field. Like, Wexford have a lot of pace. Tip can't really expose the lack of pace in that back line. Maybe Bonner will come through. Uh, Callan's got a bit of pace. Michael Breen has a bit of pace. But a lot of the other hurlers in the Tip forward line are lovely sticksmen who move around a bit. Very static against Cork, mind you, and uh, Galway. So I think Kilkenny could certainly take down Tipperary, albeit we saw last September Tipperary could definitely take them down too. But it all depends on the fitness of Fenley and Hogan, I would imagine. Okay, good stuff. After this, we're going to chat football. Okay, time to talk football. This is the GA podcast on Off the Ball with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship, giving customers exclusive access to the GA Hurling All Ireland Championship at bgerewards.ie. There's uh, a lot to get through on the football front. If if anybody has been living under a rock for the last week, of course, the big results last weekend were Cavan been beaten by a goal at home to Monaghan, won fifteen to fifteen points, and Monaghan go on to face down in the. Ulster Football Championship semi-finals. Kerry comfortable in the end against Clare, six points to spare, and Cork far from it at home to Tipperary, needing a last-minute goal on the back of what we thought was a last-minute goal from Tipperary to beat them by one ten to one nine. So they'll face Kerry in the Munster Football Final. Offaly Westmead will have to do it all again this weekend. They drew in the Leinster quarter-final. And of course, the hurling was uh, the big result was the Wexford win over Kilkenny. But we've already paid enough attention to the week's hurling. We're talking about the large ball at the moment. Um, the fixtures this weekend: we've got Mead Kildare. I'll be there in O'Connor Park on, at seven o'clock on Saturday evening. That's the Leinster semi-final. You would think, on the face of it, that it's a battle for the right to face Dublin in a Leinster final. Uh, Westmead, Offaly, we've already mentioned. And then the qualifiers, it's Waterford, Derry, Loud, Longford, Wicklow, Leash, Sligo against Antrim. And on Sunday, Roscommon, Leitrim in the Connacht semi-final, Tyrone, Donegal in the Ulster semi-final. Um, is there anything you want to talk about from last weekend? The performance of the Monaghan forwards, 1-9 from play, performance of James O'Donoghue, yeah. before we move into what's coming down the tracks this week? Well, I suppose the one I can talk uh, best about would be Kerry's performance against Clare. Clare started out really well. They got a penalty early on, went one forty-two points up. David Tuberty looked excellent. And then um, Donica Walsh was sent off on a, yellow, a second yellow card. And yet, Kerry completely choked out uh, Clare, who had 15 men. You know, I think the 15 minutes before half time, Clare had just one shot, which uh, allowed them to go in level at the break. Second half, Kerry against the wind, a man down, two points behind, and they just completely controlled the game. You know, James O'Donoghue with some excellent scores. Paul Ganey mightn't have got quite as many scores as normal, but he looked really good, lively. When he got the ball in front of him, he just has this step out of trouble straight away, which just takes him away from his man. It's class. Stephen O'Brien came in and his pace just he got that a ball at the end did the exact same dummy twice on two guys kind of reminds you of a little bit of Owen Mulligan all those years ago against mm. Dublin and just lashed it home like Kerry looks seriously. and all this done without David Moore yeah and all in third gear as well they, yeah, they're pretty four, impressive they're, mm. they're ominously good at the moment when you, com- when you combine the performance against Dublin at Croke Park with this fairly easy win over Clare in the end albeit a game that was kind of in the mix for large periods mm. but I thought it was a real, not, I wouldn't go as far as say a potential banana skin for Kerry, but that they were going to have to work very hard to come mm. through and, and they were very impressive in doing so. I was up in Kingspan Brefney, which apparently is now the latest name mm. for Brefney Park. Cavan played with the wind in the first half, did 
very little with it. Needed to kick the last three points of the only 35 minutes actually just to go a point in front. And then the big moment of the game was some awful, terrible, pathetic defending from Cavan and a little bit of trickery and a brilliant finish from Conor McManus for the Monaghan goal. Ultimately, that's what separated in the end because, as we know, Cavan lashed the ball off the post with the last kick of the game. That would have forced a replay, although I couldn't really have seen Cavan beating Monaghan in a replay in Clonus. But the talking point and the big storyline from this game for me was that in brutal conditions, Monaghan were able to put up a score of 115, Mm. having kicked 15 wides, and they got 1-9 from four players in Jack McCarran, Conor McManus, Conor McCarthy and Owen Duffy who came off, the, who started the game, kicked four from play on the back of the three he kicked from play against yeah. Romana. They brought Darren Hughes on for the last few minutes in at full forward, back a little earlier from his medial knee ligament injury. Kieran Hughes had a huge game in the middle of the field. McCadden had a great game on um, Garrod McKiernan who was the talismanic player for Cavan and the Monaghan defence looked really good. I'm really starting to believe in Monaghan now with the additional options they seem to have up front. I was talking to Conor McManus this morning of Croke Park. He agreed with the fact that they they have choice and a range of options under Maliki O'Rourke that they probably haven't had over the last two years. I'm not quite sure how far they can go, but I think they can take a really big name out of this year's championship. Isn't it interesting? If, they, if they've if they won Ulster in the past couple of years and they've done it twice, people don't really consider them All-Ireland contenders. And I suppose a lot of that is because they hadn't won in Croke Park for, what was it, something like... Going back to the 20s, yeah, 1929 so we, yeah. I think it was. So we're talking 80 plus years. Whereas, why not at this stage? Is it because, are we saying it because... There's such a small population they couldn't possibly I think the two it. defeats Tyrone had a really bad impact on how and they're Longford. perceived outside of Ulster. Well, the Longford one is an outlier. Look, that is not Monaghan. They're yeah. a Division 1 team. They're potential provincial champions. I think there was just a large amount of circumstances conspired against them and kept mm. a brilliant performance if, from Longford. If Dublin lost in uh, one week and then they had to play a qualifier the next, we know they'd hammer the team. And uh, let's not include Dublin, though, in any yeah. comparisons. That's but unfair. Have but to beat Dublin we, need to, we need to start comparing them to Tyrone, Mayo, Kerry, mm. um, obviously Donegal, Galway, any of the other possible pretenders to Dublin's throne. I think they would end up facing Dublin in All-Ireland quarterfinal most likely. So maybe that's the time to play Dublin. Probably. And it's great that they look like they now have five plus lads who can score. Like Darren Hughes not being gone for the season is huge. Mm. Kieran Hughes can obviously come up and score. You've named McCarran. McManus has finished. Even though it won't be a, a goal that lives long in the memory, there was such assurance in how oh, he yeah. You knew once he got beaten the last defender yeah. that there was an inevitability about it. I do think that their bench is far stronger than it used to be. Mm. They definitely have options. Conor McCarthy came off the bench had a big impact. Carl O'Connell seems to be playing a really important role around the middle of the field. Gets around the field so well. They, in the Wiley brothers and Colin Walsh, they've got real top class defenders. Arguably the best keeper in the country in Rory Began, who kicked the Greatest free I have ever seen in Championship football. Of all time. 65 metres out into the wind. Like, just record-breaking stuff. Like, a hurler would have found it difficult to get the ball over the bar from where he kicked this. The Lions could have done with him the other day. They could have. He's just a phenomenal place kicker. Um, I just think they have all the ingredients. I would just say one thing before we move into the games this weekend. They might be better off being beaten either by Down or by Donegal or Tyrone. Because I think they'll have a ch- better chance of going deeper into the championship if they don't come out of Ulster. That's that's a like you will get one or two handy games. You'd ima- like if your luck is in. No, they could end up against. They could end up against any team. I think that they, they'd fancy beating. Like they yeah. won't have to take on Mayo, for example. They're on the other side of it. I just think having won two Ulster championships in thirteen and fifteen. Yeah, there's some guys in the panel that don't have one, but 
Monaghan need to be getting to an All-Ireland semi-final. Mm. That's the next step for them because they haven't been in an All-Ireland semi-final since 1988. Right. Whether or not they've got an Ulster Championship backing them on their way to that particular part of the season, I don't think it matters. Yeah, and a bruising route through Ulster, which it will be progressively... Have the prelims, yeah. Yeah, it'll be progressively more brutal. Yeah, I think you have a point there. Like, they definitely won't want to do it that way. No. But, uh, you know, it might be like typical Kenny. Maybe you get... A uh, couple of handy draws and all of a sudden you're walking into a quarter-final and you're feeling fairly good about yeah, yourself. I think so. Um, the qualifiers, Waterford, Derry. Let's hope Waterford can back up what they did against Cork and having dragged Derry all the way down to Friar Field can give them a really good go of it. Loud Longford is a very difficult one to call at the Gaelic rounds. Well, Longford tend to not actually um, do so well ag- against Loud. And Loud weren't that far off the pace um, the last day either. Like Sean McCormick is missing for Longford. And I saw them play against Leash in O'Moore Park recently. And other than um, than Smith, Robbie Smith inside, who's got a lovely left foot and will score a turn and a sixpence and score for you, Sean McCormick was the only forward that really looked like he was playing strong. And I just think without him, their chances, yeah, they're not great. All right, Wicklow Leash, another Leinster derby in the, well, not quite a derby, but an all-Leinster clash in the qualifiers. Leash were impressive against Longford, awful against Kildare I don't really want to talk about this game it's two division four teams as of 2018 yeah. neither of which are going to do anything in the championship but no disrespect to Wicklow who always give everything that they've absolutely got sometimes I have to wonder whether it's the exact same for Leash but um, they're appalling against Kildare after a perfect start any chance of a shock in Fortress Ockram mm, nothing better than saying there's nothing better than saying I don't want to disrespect the team as you disrespect the team. Well, the, the reason you have to say no disrespect to them, it's because you're disrespecting them. Yeah, yeah. It's 31 years since the Battle of Ockram. Does that wet, wet your lips? Leash going into it as league fi- league champions. I yeah. was at the league final when, when they beat Monaghan. Six forwards started, three sent off, two subbed off, one carried off. Yeah. What's not interesting about this? Okay, well, look, we've given uh, we've given our tuppence worth to well, Wicklow Leash. I'm going to go for Wicklow, just for the crack. Yeah, well, they only lost by five points to Loud. They've Shawnee Furlong, Mark Kenny and Paul Cunning up front. They're a bit of a threat there, but like Leash have the two Kingstons, Donny and Paul, and John O'Loughlin up there winning balls. So you'd imagine eventually they'll burst through there and not go on to win the All-Ireland. And I'm going to go out in a limb and back Sligo to beat Antrim in their qualifier, Mark yeah. Rich Park. Um, two big games in the Football Championship on Sunday. Three games in the Football Championship. Let's start with uh, Ulster and the semi-final up there. Tyrone against Donegal, a repeat of last year's Ulster final. I was chatting to Rory Gallagher this morning. He expects more of the same, as does Mickey Hart. I think Mickey Hart said, don't expect a shootout at the OK Corral. It's a question of which of these two teams has improved the most. It's a difficult question to probably answer. Donegal looked impressive at times in the league. They've introduced six or seven new faces into their starting 15. Tyrone haven't really made any changes in personnel, but you would think with the youth on their side and the guys who've been developing over the last two years will maybe, having had another year under the belts, they'll come on that little bit more. Very, very tough game to call, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really tight at the bookies as well. Uh, it was interesting, like, Jim McGuinness, in his four years, he gave ten championship debuts, whereas Gallagher gave six against Antrim recently. And you know, last year when Tyrone won by two points, it was 13 11, I think. Late scores from Peter Hart and Sean Cavanagh, incredible scores. Um, 
you would have thought Donegal are the more experienced team at this point. You know, they've obviously lost nine players since. So experience doesn't always count for everything. Perhaps to be a bit more verve in the team this time, a bit mm. more vim and vigour, if I can keep the Vs and the alliteration. But they still going. have so much experience in the team. Like, they still have the likes of Carl Lacey and um, Marty McElhinney, and they've got Michael Murphy, McLean. and they've got Frank McGlynn, they've Paddy McGrath, they've Patrick McBrearty. There's a huge amount of experience in that team. Yeah, what I want to see from Donegal is if the game's in the melting pot late on, that they go for it. So, like last year in the, in the Ulster final, they when Ryan McHugh wasn't able to burst through and get those scores inside the 45, incredible scores that they were, they kind of stood off. They didn't carry the ball into the Tyrone blanket because they were afraid of being stripped mm-hmm. and countered on. And I think, it, do you remember the 2014 All-Ireland final against uh, Kerry, albeit a different manager and big change over in players it was the same thing 10 minutes to go Kerry were ahead they were playing the ball around their own 65 just playing keep ball and Donegal wouldn't push out I'd just love to see them go for it a little bit more but these teams don't tend to do that do they Tyrone didn't do it against Mayo in the last 15-20 minutes of their All-Ireland quarterfinal last year despite the fact that they needed mm. scores they weren't willing to put more players into in and around the the Mayo goal. They weren't willing to change the way they were playing. It's something that really annoyed Joe Brawley. He's talked about enough over the last twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very difficult to see either of these teams changing. Now, Rory Gallagher chatting to me this morning in Croke Park was at pains to point out the fact that Donegal's scoring ratios have improved no end during the league. They put up a big score against Antrim, and they feel very good about themselves going into this game. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Murphy is fully fit now this year. Like last year, after they lost to, to Dublin in the All-Ireland quarter-final, remember he played inside qu- quite, a, quite a lot, and that's obviously the, the perpetual talking point with Donegal, where should he play? But uh, they tried to put a lot of ball into him, and it went over his head, poor deliveries. And when he was getting on the bus afterwards, he tried to put his weight on his left foot, and he had to kind of stop and just readjust his body to do it a second time. So he just wasn't right at all last year. And what's interesting is that uh, Ronan McNabb has suffered an ankle injury in what's already a suspect-looking Tyrone full-back line, especially to high ball. And I wonder, will Murphy, even though they probably feel like they need him back out around midfield and standing at his own 65 so he's not triple-marked, I wonder, will they think, yeah, we'll put him in there for 10 minutes at the start, try and lump a ball or two and see if we can get a bit more change out of him? They do that quite often, though, Donegal. They would yeah. tend to start Michael. He might be a midfield for the throw-in, but side the first 30-40 seconds he does find himself at the edge of the square and they'd pump a couple of balls in just to you know feel feel out how the defence of the opposition is setting themselves up they did certainly try to do it against Dublin a couple mm-hmm. of occasions in last year's quarter final I think what intrigues me most about this game is that it's going to mean so much to both of these teams but the rivalry that's there the, what went on in last year's Ulster final and the question of how who has improved the most it's kind of intriguing I, w- I went a minority in saying that I loved last year's Ulster final not just the last 10 minutes but I was just kind of totally absorbed in it it just re- it sucked me in for the entire the no I wasn't I was watching on TV yeah. for the entire game I just loved watching it Yeah, because there was so much at stake it was so tight there was some real quality scores albeit not many of them that blanket defence and those kind of games I don't wouldn't necessarily say it's a really bad thing to watch sometimes it actually can gather you in yeah the, the thing is like w- within all the blankets and all the negative football that's probably going to be played you have some of the greatest forwards going you know Paddy McBrearty is is unbelievable mm. when he's when he's flying Sean Kavanagh can score from anywhere as he did last year um, Peter Hart can you know do what he wants with a football Michael Murphy of course what, what was interesting as well is the team that 
uh, Rory Gallagher didn't actually start against Antrim as in the substitutes that he brought in. He was able to bring in Owen McHugh, Carl Lacey, Paddy McBrearty, Martin McElhenney and Mark McHugh all into the off the bench. Now, of course, they were always going to beat Antrim, you'd imagine. Whether whether they struggled and brought those guys on yeah. later on, he obviously wants. You wonder to is he better off keeping those in reserve <coughs> and finishing with his, supposedly his best team? Yeah, well, the worry then is that you're not actually in the game when there's 20 minutes to go. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not. But really Tyrone are not going to steamroll anyone really. Mm. Anyone in a Division One team, they don't have the scoring forwards to really annihilate a team. They're never going to commit enough players forward to annihilate a team. You think Donegal will be in it? Yeah, when they get into that last quarter. Yeah, they will. And, of course, Donegal have the free-taker as well, like the one of the best free-takers in the game, probably the best free-taker in the game if you take out your Rory man. Began. Rory Began. Rory Began, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd be looking at Donegal and thinking, yeah, I just think they have slightly more scores. There is very little in this. I'd love to see who is going to pick up Sean Kavanagh because Lee Keegan will blot most people out of the game, but he certainly blotted Sean Kavanagh out last year. And if he goes Roman or whether he's inside... I, if I was Rory Gallagher, and obviously, what do I know by comparison, but I'd be putting Neil McGee on him and saying, wherever you go, you've probably got the legs for him. You should be close enough on having the strength on him. Fair enough, you're not as tall. But just do your best to blot him out and hope that the rest of your, your full back line is able to kind of absorb whatever pressure goes in there. The first, There's a couple of reasons I'd like to see Donegal win this game. It's nothing to do with anything, any you ill feeling towards Tyrone. It's just them. that I really want to see another Donegal Monaghan Ulster final, assuming the Monaghan get passed down, of course, because that is a real rivalry. The Ulster finals they played against each other have been really intense, and I'd mm. like to see that again. Plus, I want to see Toronto Mayo cross paths to the qualifiers. That's the main reason I want to see Donegal win this game, because I just think a Toronto Mayo game after what happened in last year's quarter final would just be an almighty occasion. Mm, it would be great to see. Yeah, I'd would like I, I I want to see Monaghan back into the final again. I'd say Monaghan and Tyrone would be an excellent final as well. Like yeah, we haven't seen them play in an Ulster final. It's going, I think it's going back to is it the two thousand and nine final, possibly two thousand and ten, where Banty McEnany's team came in highly fancied. Everybody thought this is Monaghan's day. They're going to win the Ulster Championship for the first time in twenty two years. If it was two thousand and ten, and they just flunked their exam completely. Mm. They just never got going and Tyrone just cruised through to the uh, All-Ireland quarterfinals. So I, I'm actually not going to call a winner here. I think this could easily end up going to a replay. It, it's that close. It's There's little or nothing between so these two So you are calling teams. it, in fact. By saying I'll call it by saying to draw, but I'm very much draw. sitting on the fence. I'll be down in a Tullamore on Saturday evening for the Leinster quarterfinal between Kildare and Meath. On the back of the two performances that these sides put in to get themselves into the quarterfinal, this is also so intriguing. Mead racked up 27 points against Louth and Kildare just brushed Leash aside. This has the potential to kind of rekindle a rivalry that we haven't really seen between these two teams for a long, long time. It's something that was featured on Off the Ball last night, the trilogy of games that they played in that uh, intense summer heat back in, mm. two th- in 1997. These two teams, it's kind of like a battle for relevance once again because with Dublin being so dominant, it just feels like nobody even considers them anymore. Um, and to be honest, if they were to play Dublin tomorrow, there would probably be double scores in it again. At least for, for me, like Graham Riley looks like he's going to have an exceptional season. Like he's, He got seven points the last day. But like you, they, they conceded heavily against Louth as well. And they conceded space yeah. throughout 
Uh, while Loud did get a couple of goals, they could easily have had through two or three more. That would be a big worry for me if I was the meat selectors. Yeah, and imagine that against Dublin then. Yeah. Um, and and cl- a free-scoring Kildare team. Yeah, you always have to think of it in terms of what will happen later down the line because obviously you can't look past any game. But like you'd, you'd imagine Neil Flynn, Paddy, Paddy Brophy, he wasn't even used the last day against Leach, but he looked exceptional before he went away to the AFL and you'd imagine his conditioning is brilliant from it. It's not like when Tommy Walsh came back from the AFL, he'd had his hamstring ripped off the bone. Mm. So, you know, arguably he's never gotten back to the way he was because he's no longer involved with Kerry. But Paddy Brophy, remember, it was a 2014 season just before he left. He was playing against Mayo at a league game in Newbridge and some of the scores he kicked that day, and especially under pressure, last kick of the game, and he got it out by the sideline, jinked and just hammered it over to win the two points. Like, those and Daniel Flynn, who also had some AFL experience, they'll definitely puncture holes in that meet. Like, me, they aren't exactly going to change their tactics from the loud game, you'd Mm -hmm. imagine, overnight. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll look at Dublin as well and think, if we're going to get through that, we need to get through this game with those same tactics. But, um, yeah, there's probably not a whole pile between them, but Keen O'Neill definitely looks like in his second season he's making he's making a bit of an impact there. So I'd just about go for Kildare. Yeah, I think I would too. They are the team that got out of Division 2 with Galway. They are a Division 1 side for next year. I think the fact that Graham Riley kicked seven points from play against Louth is more of a reflection on Louth than it is anybody else. Mm. I accept that he's a really talented footballer. On his day, he just seems to glide around the pitch. He can kick off both feet. He's a, he's a supremely talented player. But... Easy to shut down, I would have thought, if you get the right guys in and around him. I don't think he would ever score seven from play against a Monaghan or a Donegal mm. or come even close to it. I think if Kildare sig- as isolate somebody to put on Graham Riley and make sure he does nothing in the game, they've gone an awful long way towards winning this one. Yeah, the only problem for, for Kildare was the Division 2 league final against Galway, who were obviously quite a good team and possibly slightly ahead of the pecking order of uh, Meath, as bore out by their league uh, standings. They did look like they were a bit of a one-trick pony up front. Okay, um, they will have Paddy Brophy available this time. But it was very much the Neil Kelly show. And if he wasn't getting the ball, nobody was doing anything with it. And as the second half wore on, they looked fur- like they were drifting further yeah. and further from Galway. So, And it's not always easy to get Neil Kelly isolated either because he's, he he can't really win his own ball. The the play Ooh. needs to be... Well, he's very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's kind of teak tough. You can see it with his makeup, but mm. he's not going to win anything in the air. He needs the ball maybe out in front of him. Once he gets his hand to the ball, he can skin any of the defenders that he's up against. That's just not the type of player that he is. I would just be, go, about be going for Kildare as well. Mead probably have a big score on them. This could be a really free-scoring affair if Kildare throw off the shackles a little and don't play as defensively as they did when they last met a decent team in Galway. Um, The last of the games on Sunday, Roscommon against Leitrim. Any chance of a shock in the hide? Yeah, it's it's very hard to see it. I mean, a couple of good forwards in in Leitrim with Ronan Kendi and Keith Byrne. But But no Emlyn Mulligan. Yeah, and without Emlyn Mulligan, I mean, you you wouldn't be backing them to win the game anyway. Like Connacht, or sorry, um, Roscommon obviously don't have all of their players available either, but they do have the Murtaghs, they've Donny Smith, Finton Craig, and Leitrim's last win over Roscommon in the Hyde was in 2000, the last time they reached the Connacht final. So, I think they'll be competitive. I hope so, I hope so. But um, um, They have that win over London under the belt. Roscommon have been inactive for months. It's so long since we saw them. They are officially the last team to make their bow in the football championship. Should we talk about the structures then? <laughs> Well, it's it, there's always one team at Connacht that has almost seen a side go out of the championship before they've even played. It's not the case this year. 
Actually, it is the case this year, isn't it? Because there are qualifiers on the Saturdays. On Saturday, there will be teams who are out of the All Ireland Championship yeah. before Roscommon even play their first game. There's something very wrong with that. Well, it's always the case with the Connacht Championship. I think Roscommon will win, but I do think Leitrim will be competitive. I don't give Roscommon a chance today mm. of beating Galway in the Connacht final. But let's see how they perform on Sunday, and you never know. Yeah, in 2010, didn't Sligo and didn't they knock out both of the Duopolis, Mayo they and did. Galway? Never just had them penciled <laughs> in as Connacht champions. Yeah, and then Ross Common was a Donny Shine with those uh, beautiful frees. Did we mention Westmead Offaly? No, in we're, the don't worry, we're going to get to that. That's yeah, on Saturday. The, the biggie. It's the last of the games. Was it 11 points apiece? It was 10 apiece. 10 and apiece. I think everyone there wished they hadn't gone because even the managers afterwards were saying it was a bit of a shocker. Yeah, I think conditions were awkward. The wind was really awkward in the game as well. Yeah, You'd have to fancy cards. Westmead and Cusick Park, wouldn't you? You'd have to, yeah. I mean, we'll always go back to the fact that they've gotten to two Leinster finals in a row. And I think rightly so, you'd mention those as being big factors. They've they've done it more often, more recently. And uh, yeah, you just have to about go with them. You have to say, it's a hugely successful group of Westmead footballers in comparison to Westmead teams throughout the history of the county. Mm. I mean, there's only one Westmead team that really stands above them at senior level, and that's the team that won the Leinster Championship. While they were relegated three seasons in a row, they've moved past that now. Back-to-back Leinster finals, as you say, promotion from Division 4 in the Alliance League. There is a team that's going places, and I would be amazed if they couldn't get the job done at home to yeah for for about a year there a couple of years ago my cousin john was on the was on the panel and he was very complimentary of the setup under tom cribben uh they've also when they get to croke park they all tend to produce massively uh, impressive haircuts on the day as, as is often commented on at the time but you know they've got great footballers there it's got, you see paul sherry there john heslin um kieran martin or whatever they do have really impressive footballers Pity they lost Ray Canellan to the AFL as well because they shouldn't be in Division 4. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense. Obviously, they just got promoted and they hammered Wexford in the final. But um, yeah, they probably should be higher up the league standings and uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue with their impressive Leinster form. And they get another crack uh, off Dublin if they win this game against Offaly. Handy. OK, we're almost done. We are going to delve into the cheesiest place on a week-to-week basis on Off The Ball across any platform and that is the Calderon or Controversy and any other business. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Okay, final part of this weekend's, of this week's GA pod here on Off The Ball. Uh, Shane Stable and Dave McIntyre still with you. The Calderon or Controversy has been reopened and given the fact that Cork and Waterford are facing off again in the Monster Hurling Championship this weekend. We thought it appropriate to go back three years, almost to the day, just a week out from three years to the day, when the penalty-taking skills of Anthony Nash, as we knew them, were never seen again after this one particular incident. Yeah, and actually it's funny, I was watching um, a replay of the All-Ireland final from 2013 during the week, Cork against Clare, and it was just so dramatic. Every time that Cork won a free outside the, uh, the area around the 21, Nash would come up the whole stadium mm. it was just it was a buzz and I don't know if you were at either game I was at the replay and it was just incredible every time these penalties happened that the whole stadium was on its feet you know holding its breath How far on average do you think he was advancing the ball off the, off the lift? It was definitely t- it was 10 yards at <laughs> least and it was class like I hate the fact that that penalty is gone and that uh, that 21 yard free is gone because it was just so dramatic and I get the health and safety and all that Well explain to us why it is gone Well because I suppose if someone gets it in the throat... No, specifically this incident. 
Oh, oh yeah, well, in this incident, so it was the Munster semi-final replay. Derek McGrath's first year in charge, and um, so it was a penalty. They'd drawn the first day, and uh, Cork got a penalty during the first half, and Nash did his lift as usual, and he brought it in around the 12 yards out. But Stephen O'Keefe, the Waterford goalie, he had pre-planned that if Cork got a penalty, he was going to rush from his line. So... He was. It was point blank by the time. Yeah. That well, the rule being that the keeper, the three players on the line, must remain there until the penalty taker has made contact with the ball. Yeah, and that was so, very vague at the time. Yeah. We were some like, people were saying, well, clearly making contact with the ball means when he actually strikes yeah, the ball. Yeah. But no, the um, Waterford defence and the Waterford goalkeeper said, well, technically he's made contact with the ball when he lifts it. Yeah. And by the time the ball dropped from the sky after Nash advanced it so far. There was enough time for the uh, Waterford keeper yeah. to be in the face of Anthony Nash, and he was—he had the ball blasted off his leg from about a yard out. Yeah, and left a massive bruise as well. I, th- I think he tweeted it at the time, and it was all over the paper. And I remember I interviewed him the next day, and he was just laughing about that they had it pre-planned. And but it was a brilliant piece of ingenuity from oh, the goalkeeper. It was fantastic. Like, he, but the thing is, it was—it was definitely pre-planned. And I—I I spoke with the Waterford goalkeeping coach Mark Cooney, or the Coo as he's known as, his great character, and he was telling me that they had pr- practiced it a few times as well, and takes serious bravery to do that because uh, if the ball hits you in the wrong place bye bye you might be lad. having any further children yeah that might be the end of that I don't know if he has any in the first place but uh, yeah and so it led to a rule change and there are not many incidents in the GA specific one off incidents that lead to a rule change it actually dictated the uh, destination of the All-Ireland that year so Tipperary had just lost the league final to Kilkenny and if memory serves me correct um TJ Reid scored two penalties using the same technique. He brought it in around 14, smacked it past, um, I presume it was Darren Gleeson at the time. It was, yeah. And then later that season, after the rule change, which allowed three people on the line at that stage, it's now one, and we see TJ Reid constantly smashing them in. But it was three people on the line, and Tipperary got three penalties in the All-Ireland against uh, across two games against Kilkenny and got one point from them. So the first one, I think, was saved by Richie Hogan. The second one was looked like a combination of, of Owen Murphy and TJ Reid. And then the third one, Tip said, let's just put it over yeah. the bar. So it's interesting, in the one season, Kilkenny won a league final on the basis of a couple of penalties that were taken in a one-on-one. And it very much helped them to win the All-Ireland, the fact that it was changed mid-season, because otherwise you'd imagine at least two of those would have been put away. So it was interesting. Well, uh, it was harder to score a penalty at the time with using the, the, u- using the traditional technique. Uh, the traditional? You're fa- you're, you were far more... Uh, you had an advantage if you employed the Anthony Nash technique. Oh, yeah. You got yeah. so close. But most players weren't getting anywhere near as close as he was. No one lifted the ball anywhere near as high as he did. Yeah, Reid did, though. He did, well, like you but uh, following Nash, I would have thought. Because I never really saw it, that kind of way of hitting a penalty until no. Nash did it. He started doing that. I think the first time I saw him do that, or something fairly close to it, was a qualifier against Wexford, which was either, twi- I think it was 2012. And uh, I remember, I was in Thurless, it was part of a triple header on a Saturday, and he lifted the net out of it. And it was just one of those things where you go, Jesus, that's incredible. But then when you have three people on the line and you can't bring it in past the, the 21-yard line, it well, it takes the advantage away from the yeah, pair altogether. No, like so now it's more of a fair contest. It is a fair contest, and I think more people should be finishing them. Yeah, and yeah. Reed just makes it look simple. Like he cuts across the ball, makes it shapes like he's going to go right or left, and it ends up going the other way. And yeah, he's a bit he's, of a, a genius when it comes to that. But Waterford lost that game. I think twenty eight points to fourteen. The the one where Stephen O'Keefe and Nash ended up 
but it became the Nash rule, didn't yeah. it? And uh, Wexford eventually beat Watford in the qualifiers as well. Uh, Cork ended up getting hammered by Tip in the All-Ireland semi-final after winning Munster. So. Yeah, Wexford, of course, mm. had knocked out the All-Ireland champions as well in that season and went out in the All-Ireland quarterfinals mm. to Limerick. Correct and right, 24 points. The and last then point. Limerick lost that epic monsoon-like semi-final to Kilkenny a couple of weeks later. Yeah, amazing occasion that was. All right, that's pretty much our lot. Anything else you want to throw in for the weekend? Mm, We've bored our listeners for long enough. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll give them a reprieve now. Okay, you can get in touch with us. You can get myself and Shane on Twitter. Just another mention for our very kind sponsors. All of the GA on Off the Ball is brought to you with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsor of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. You can uh, get all the details on hashtag hurling to the core at borgoshenergy.ie or more specifically, you'll get it um, on bgerewards.ie. I'm going to finish that again. All right, well, then that's pretty much our lot. Uh, thanks to you, Shane. Thank you very much. We'll chat to you again next mm-hmm. week. You can get in touch with yourself and Shane on Twitter if you've got any thoughts on the podcast, anything you want to hear covered, any bits of controversy from over the years in the GA that you want to see us have on the podcast. Our podcast is brought to you with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship. Keep up to date and follow hashtag hurling to the core. Enjoy your weekend's GA, and we'll chat to you next week. Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath. Bernie, surely give it in, Conor. Oh, what a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 meter line. Kim Mackey still going. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. Will stick in your mind at the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. Been a look, Donovan. Wild effort on goal. Oh, 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 oh,
scary, like lies buried in a library. When did the state pen correct anything? When piles of us still be catching the bus. When stacks of cats packing laundry bags. Pay the preachers back, but where the teachers at? I ain't even gotta ask it. And who's underpaid that got fouled at the basket? I can't blame the NBA who be getting all the Benjis and taking them grants for granted. Last I checked, pyramids wasn't built like projects or in them government checks. <laughs> Modern day thugs ain't got no guts. Hard the expression under governor nuts. Last time in the church be the last time in the church. Dead pledge allegiance to CDs and movies. Leaving reality, believing fantasy. Leaving fatalities, too many formalities. Translates with fear, beware. Two triple zero is here. It might feel good, it might sound a little something. But damn the game, if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she got game, we got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something. But the game, if it ain't saying nothing. She got game, we got game, they got game, he got game.